God is glorious in His saints. Welcome to the Christian Saints Podcast. My name is Dr. Darren Ong, recording from Sepang in Malaysia. In this podcast, we explore the lives of the Christian saints from the Anglican, Roman Catholic, and Eastern Orthodox traditions. Today, we commemorate Saints Francisco and Jacinta Mato. Francisco and Jacinta Mato, together with their cousin Lucia, were the three children who encountered several apparitions of the Virgin Mary near Fatima in Portugal in the year 1917. At that time, Jacinta was seven, Francisco was nine, and Lucia was ten years old. They were illiterate peasant children, but with an unusual devotion to their Christian faith. The timing of these revelations was very significant. 1917 was a really turbulent period in world history. The horrors of the First World War had ravaged the globe for the past few years. In the following years, the Spanish flu pandemic would exact a terrifying death toll. The Spanish flu was also deadly to young people, even children. And indeed, both Jacinta and Francisco would perish in this pandemic. The Bolshevik Revolution was about to break out in Russia, ushering in turmoil, instability, and a horrifying persecution of the church in that country. Let us read this account from the website of Franciscan Media about the apparitions at Fatima. Between May the 13th and October the 13th of 1917, three Portuguese shepherd children received apparitions of Our Lady at Cova da Iria near Fatima, a city 110 miles north of Lisbon. At that time, Europe was involved in an extremely bloody war. Portugal itself was in political turmoil, having overthrown its monarchy in 1910. The government disbanded religious organizations soon after. At the first appearance, Mary asked the children to return to that spot on the 13th of each month for the next six months. She also asked them to learn to read and write and to pray the rosary to obtain peace for the world and the end of the war. They were to pray for sinners and for the conversion of Russia, which had recently overthrown Tsar Nicholas II and was soon to fall under communism. Up to 90,000 people gathered for Mary's final apparition on October the 13th, 
1917. Less than two years later, Francisco died of influenza in his family home. He was buried in the parish cemetery and then reburied in the Fatima Basilica in 1952. Jacinta died of influenza in Lisbon in 1920, offering her suffering for the conversion of sinners, peace in the world, and the Holy Father. She was reburied in the Fatima Basilica in 1951. Their cousin, Lucia dos Santos, became a Carmelite nun and was still living when Jacinta and Francisco were beatified in the year 2000. She died five years later. Pope Francis canonized the younger children on his visit to Fatima to commemorate the 100th anniversary of the first apparition, May the 13th, 2017. The shrine of Our Lady of Fatima is visited by up to 20 million people a year. Jacinta and Francisco would die soon after these apparitions, victims of the Spanish flu pandemic. Jacinta, in particular, is the youngest saint in the Roman Catholic Church who was not martyred. But their cousin, Lucia, would live a long life, and most of what we know from these events at Fatima came from her memoirs. Sister Lucia wrote at length about the piety and innocence of her cousins, especially Jacinta. This following passage from these memoirs, I think, captures a lot about the character of Jacinta and Francisco. For context, the Marian apparition revealed to the children a vision of hell, and this inspired the children. Jacinta in particular, to yearn and pray for the conversion of sinners, and not only that, to perform acts of sacrifice so that sinners would return to God. Jacinta took this matter of making sacrifices for the conversion of sinners so much to heart that she never let a single opportunity escape her. There were two families in Moita whose children used to go around begging from door to door. We met them one day as we were going along with our sheep. As soon as she saw them, Jacinta said to us, Let us give our lunch to these poor children for the conversion of sinners. And she ran to take it to them. That afternoon, she told me she was hungry. There were home oaks and oak trees nearby. The acorns were still quite green. However, I told her we could eat them. Francisco climbed up a home oak to fill his pockets. 
but Jacinta remembered that we could eat the ones on the oak trees instead, and thus make a sacrifice by eating the bitter kind. So it was there, that afternoon, that we enjoyed this delicious repast. Jacinta made this one of her usual sacrifices, and often picked the acorns off the oaks or the olives off the trees. One day I said to her, Jacinta, don't eat that, it's too bitter. But it's because it's bitter that I'm eating it, for the conversion of sinners. These were not the only times we fasted. We had agreed that whenever we met any poor children like these, we would give them our lunch. They were only too happy to receive such an alms, and they took good care to meet us. They used to wait for us along the road. We no longer saw them, then Jacinta ran to give them all the food we had for that day, as happy as if she had no need of it herself. On days like that, our only nourishment consisted of pine nuts, and little berries about the size of an olive, which grow on the roots of yellow bell flowers, as well as blackberries, mushrooms, and some other things we found on the roots of pine trees. I can't remember now what these were called. If there was fruit available, on the land belonging to our parents we used to eat that. Jacinta's thirst for making sacrifices seemed insatiable. One day a neighbor offered my mother a good pasture for our sheep. Though it was quite far away, and we were at the height of summer, my mother accepted the offer made so generously and sent me there. She told me that we should take our siesta in the shade of the trees, as there was a pond nearby where the flock could go and drink. On the way we met our dear poor children, and Jacinta ran to give them our usual alms. It was a lovely day, but the sun was blazing and in that arid, stony wasteland, it seemed as though it would burn everything up. We were parched with thirst, and there wasn't a single drop of water for us to drink. At first we offered the sacrifice, generously, for the conversion of sinners, but after midday we could hold out no longer. As there was a house quite near, I suggested to my companions, that I should go and ask for a little water. They agreed to this, so I went and knocked on the door. A little old woman gave me not only a pitcher of water, but also some bread which I accepted gratefully. I ran to share it with my little companions, and then offered the pitcher to Francisco, and told him to take a drink. I don't want to, he replied. Why? I want to suffer for the conversion of sinners. You have a drink, Jacinta. But I want to offer this sacrifice for sinners too. Then I poured the water into a hollow in the rock, so that the sheep could drink it, and went to return the pitcher to its owner. The heat was getting more and more intense. The shrill singing of the crickets and grasshoppers, coupled with the croaking of the frogs in the neighboring pond, made an uproar that was almost unbearable. Jacinta, 
frail as she was, and weakened still more by the lack of food and drink, said to me with that simplicity which was natural to her, Tell the crickets and the frogs to keep quiet. I have such a terrible headache. Then Francisco asked her, Don't you want to suffer this for sinners? The poor child, clasping her head between her two little hands, replied, Yes, I do. Let them sing. I will not discuss the apparitions at Fatima in this episode. They probably deserve their own episode, if I get around to doing one. For today, on the feast day of Francisco and Jacinta Marto, I feel more like reflecting on the examples that Jacinta and Francisco showed in their short lives, in their devotion to Christ and to Mary, their compassion for the poor and for sinners who are separated from God. One lesson and encouragement I gain from what these children experience is that God does not abandon us. They live during one of the darkest times in the history of human civilization, with multiple calamities, wars, revolution, plague, happening or about to happen. And yet, here comes Mary at Fatima to these children, to offer us all hope and consolation, pointing to our true rescue in Jesus Christ. A hundred years later, we are experiencing another time of great suffering with multiple disasters. And we can remain confident that God has not abandoned us, that Mother Mary is ever interceding for us. And in our time of war, pandemic, and other disaster, we should be inspired by these children and to approach Jesus and to seek the intercession of Mary with the innocence and faith of little children. As I mentioned earlier, both Francisco and Jacinta were victims of the Spanish flu pandemic only a couple of years after the apparitions at Fatima. Their cousin Lucia would live a long life as a Carmelite nun, and it is through her writings and memoirs that we remember the miracle at Fatima. Pope Francis visited the shrine at Fatima in the 100th anniversary of the first Marian apparitions. This visit was also when Francisco and Jacinta were made saints. Their feast day is now celebrated on February the 20th. The Pope discussed the significance and impact of what the children experience in his homily there. There appeared in heaven a woman clothed with the sun. So the seer of Patmos tells us in the book of Revelation, chapter 12, verse 1 adding that she was about to give birth to a son. Then in the Gospel, we hear Jesus say to his disciple, Here is your mother, John chapter 19, verse 27. We have a mother. 
so beautiful a lady, as the seers of Fatima said to one another as they returned home on that blessed day of 13th May a hundred years ago. That evening, Jacinta could not restrain herself and told the secret to her mother. Today I saw Our Lady. They had seen the Mother of Heaven. Many others sought to share that vision, but they did not see her. The Virgin Mother did not come here so that we could see her. We will have all eternity for that, provided, of course, that we go to heaven. Our Lady foretold and warned us about a way of life that is godless and indeed profanes God in his creatures. Such a life, frequently proposed and imposed, risks leading to hell. Mary came to remind us that God's light dwells within us and protects us. For as we have heard in the first reading, the child of the woman was snatched away and taken to God. In Lucia's account, the three chosen children found themselves surrounded by God's light as it radiated from Our Lady. She enveloped them in the mantle of light that God had given her. According to the belief and experience of many pilgrims, if not all, Fatima is more than anything this mantle of light that protects us, here as in almost no other place on earth. We need but take refuge under the protection of the Virgin Mary, and to ask her, as the Salve Regina teaches, show unto us Jesus. Dear pilgrims, we have a mother, we have a mother, clinging to her like children, we live in the hope that rests on Jesus. As we heard in the second reading, those who receive the abundance of the grace and the free gift of righteousness exercise dominion in life through the one man, Jesus Christ. Romans chapter 5 verse 17 When Jesus ascended to heaven, he brought to the Heavenly Father our humanity, which he assumed in the womb of the Virgin Mary and will never forsake. Like an anchor, let us fix our hope on that humanity, seated in heaven at the right hand of the Father. May this hope guide our lives. It is a hope that sustains us always to our dying breath. Confirmed in this hope, we have gathered here to give thanks for the countless graces bestowed over these past hundred years. All of them pass beneath the mantle of light that Our Lady has spread over the four corners of the earth, beginning with this land of Portugal, so rich in hope. We can take as our examples Saint Francisco and Saint Jacinta, whom the Virgin Mary introduced into the immense ocean of God's light and taught to adore Him. That was the source of their strength in overcoming opposition and suffering. God's presence became constant in their lives, as is evident from their insistent prayers for sinners and their desire to remain ever near 
the hidden Jesus in the tabernacle. In her memoirs, Sister Lucia quotes Jacinta, who had just been granted a vision. Do you not see all those streets, all those paths and fields full of people crying out for food, yet have nothing to eat, and the Holy Father in a church praying before the Immaculate Heart of Mary, and all those people praying with him? Thank you, brothers and sisters, for being here with me. I could not fail to come here to venerate the Virgin Mary and to entrust to her all her sons and daughters. Under her mantle they are not lost. From her embrace will come the hope and the peace that they require and that I implore for all my brothers and sisters in baptism and in our human family, especially the sick and the disabled, prisoners and the unemployed, the poor and the abandoned. Dear brothers and sisters, let us pray to God with the hope that others will hear us, and let us speak to others with the certainty that God will help us. Indeed, God created us to be a source of hope for others, a true and attainable hope in accordance with each other's state of life. In asking and demanding of each of us the fulfillment of the duties of our proper state, God affects a general mobilization against the indifference that chills the heart and worsens our myopia. We do not want to be a stillborn hope. Life can survive only because of the generosity of other lives. Unless a grain of wheat falls into the earth and dies, it remains just a single grain but if it dies, it bears much fruit. John chapter 12, verse 24. The Lord who always goes before us said this and did this. Whenever we experience the cross, He has already experienced it before us. We do not mount the cross to find Jesus. Instead, it was He who, in His self-abasement, descended even to the cross in order to find us to dispel the darkness of evil within us and to bring us back to the light. With Mary's protection, may we be for our world sentinels of the dawn, contemplating a true face of Jesus, the Savior, resplendent at Easter. Thus, may we rediscover the young and beautiful face of the Church, which shines forth when she is missionary, welcoming, free, faithful, poor in means, and rich in love. Thanks for listening to this episode of the Christian Saints Podcast. Look for the Christian Saints Podcast page on Facebook or Instagram, or find us on Twitter at podcast underscore saints. All music in this episode was composed by my good friend, James John Marks of Generative Sounds. Please check out his music at generativesoundsjjm.bandcamp.com. If you enjoyed this podcast, please consider giving us a rating on iTunes or whatever podcast app you use so more people can find the Christian Saints podcast. And be blessed 
by these stories of God's saints. Saints Francisco and Jacinta are among the youngest saints in the history of the Christian faith, mere children when they passed away. So to end this episode, I would like to read from this wonderful passage in the Gospel of Mark, chapter 10, verses 13 to 16, concerning Jesus' love for children. People were bringing little children to Jesus for him to place his hands on them. But the disciples rebuked them. When Jesus saw this, he was indignant. He said to them, Let the little children come to me, and do not hinder them, for the kingdom of God belongs to such as these. Truly I tell you, anyone who will not receive the kingdom of God like a little child will never enter it. And he took the children in his arms, placed his hands on them, and blessed them. <laughs>